What's up? Welcome back to Guitar Blah Blah, the daily podcast for people that just can't shut up about guitar. And if you want even more guitar content, be sure to check out axesandblades.com. Today I want to talk about something that it's a big topic in the guitar world, but I haven't actually touched upon kind of deliberately on this podcast. We've talked about things around it, talked about things kind of close to it, and I've actually written quite a lot about this uh, in a couple of places before. But I do want to talk about it. Um, so you might see it in the news recently if you follow all the gear stuff, all the new releases, that Epiphone have released a new line of guitars bringing out, obviously they bring out a ton of new guitars as always in the uh, Gibson kind of designs and they bring out some, they brought out some new hollow bodies recently, they brought out the new, all the new inspired by Gibson stuff, they've kept going with that, but they also recently brought out a brand new line of Coronet, Wilshire, and Crestwood models. So these ones are kind of more funky, retro-looking ones, lesser-seen ones, um, back from in the 50s. These were original kind of Epiphone designs, I believe, that were um, in there, I believe, just around about the time before uh, Gibson acquired Epiphone, kind of late 50s, um, which is interesting. And yeah, cool design, definitely look of their time. And I think part of that is actually just because we haven't seen them brought back again and again and again like we have with other models. They definitely feel of that era. And it's a cool thing to see them all being brought back. But there's actually another reason that the Coronet model in particular has been in the news recently. And unfortunately, it is to do with the constant, constant, ongoing story that basically is now forever associated with the name Gibson itself, which is, of course, there is another legal dispute, another legal battle, another bunch of legal stuff to do with the Coronet model and to do, unfortunately, with Gibson. I should say before I go on that I am uh, a complete idiot with the podcast. I am, like all the other people online, just some knobhead with a microphone who doesn't know anything about anything, and that's probably why they're doing a podcast. If there were justice in the world, the people who do all the podcasts and all the books and all of the magazines would be the, the people that know stuff good and the idiots would shut up and sit in the audience. And there, there was a time when it was kind of almost like that. But then, then, well, no, it wasn't. It was, there, there were a lot of people who actually slipped through that net. But there was some level of it not being like that. And then the internet did away with any potential level of quality control. And you're stuck with idiotic knobheads telling you everything and feeding you terrible, useless non-information all the time. The point of this disclaimer is I cannot and will not attempt to offer any proper opinion on the legal element of these stories. When I say I've written about these sorts of things, I talked about, you know, how all of these kind of parts of the goings on and these stories relate to the Gibson brand and if it could affect the guitar community how it could be seen in the guitar community and what could be done by gibson to kind of connect with the community more you know i don't know whether these lawsuits have to go on should be going on whatever so putting that aside the reality is all these lawsuits are happening the word is that there's not doesn't seem to be any let up of this sort of stuff soon we've had several years that it's going on pretty much straight now and being big news and so with that being the accepted reality and me not knowing anything about it really um what is the kind of more guitar culture side of this? Us as a community, what, what, in my opinion, should Gibson be doing? So that when we talk about Gibson, it's not every single time just talking about 
lawsuits. And if it is lawsuits, it's, uh, if it's not lawsuits, it's someone talking about quality assurance problems and how, you know, can we can we get back? Because all of us love the guitars, really. Not literally all of us. There might be some people that don't, but I, I think the guitars are amazing. I think all of us love those designs. All of us watched some of our favorite players in the world play these designs. And to be honest, it's, it, it's a fun hobby, man. It's guitar. It's about fucking positivity. And we don't really want to be sitting around. And every single time we talk about one of the biggest, most recognized brands, it's some, you know, shitty problem that's going on. It's something kind of in the mud wrestling with smaller companies or, you know, some kind of legal thing that we either don't understand or don't feel particularly positive about, or it's about, oh, they've got all these problems. And then before that, it was all the bankruptcy and the filing and the reordering and the restructuring and the taken on debt. No, oh, they've taken on another company. No, oh, they now they want to be a lifestyle brand. It's been sort of feels like a decade and a bit more of just straight crap every time we talk about them. And frankly, I just don't really enjoy it. Um, I know if, if you just enjoy shitting on Gibson and you don't like them, then that that's not one that's not going to change, and two that won't bother you. But I'm a little bit fed up with it, to be honest. Um, that's partly why I don't talk about it. Also, I feel like a lot of other people are more knowledgeable, can offer more insight in some ways, you know. And and but that is the main thing, just positivity. And I don't want to grab on Gibson because I like the guitars, and I don't want every single time it's talked about just to be more and more talking about lawsuits and all this negative stuff so why am i talking about this one today because i think this is a little bit interesting at least uh, it's about a lesser known model it's about a bit of a stranger story than some of the other recent things for example gibson trying to get protection for the flying v and explorer shapes you know they're saying these are these more out there shapes you know these should be protected and the general generic shape should be protected and i, I believe they went and lost that in Europe, at least, anyway. Um, so, this is a little bit different. It's about this one specific model. Um, obviously, they've re-brought out this model under the Epiphone badge, the Coronet. So, there is a reason that they would want to protect this as part of their intellectual property and all that, and the shape of it as being a property of Gibson slash Epiphone. But uh, it has ended up in a bit of uh, legal difficulty, which has come to an end today, and I think it's just worth pointing out. So the Coronet, as I mentioned, is something that kind of remains a retro-looking guitar, because although it's been here and there, it has not been something which has been regularly released, and I believe we haven't seen any Coronets. It's been dead and gone since the 90s, I believe, um, and was not particularly at any point uh, prominent at any point really even before that since a long time before that um, so this is a guitar that was really dead and gone and that's why I think this is interesting um, because a small company called Satellite Amplifiers uh, they're based I believe in San Diego um, a small team they do everything there they do uh, all their own woodwork stuff there and all their own design and do everything in-house there in San Diego, building cool amplifiers and a bunch of cool gear, actually, quite a cool range of different gear um, with the owner, Adam Grimm, in charge. Do a bunch of cool stuff, a small company that do a bunch of cool stuff. They noticed that this cool model, the Coronet, was completely dead and gone. No one was using it. No one was doing anything with it. You couldn't get one, a new one. They weren't building any of these. They didn't exist. So they decided to 
as it, they thought it was a really cool model and a model they liked, they decided to, I believe, collaborate with some people and basically get together and create um, the Coronet model. They wanted to get together and make that themselves because they felt that there was a market for it or fans for it. And they started doing this uh, a little while ago, uh, back in 2016, they started doing this. Um, and not only were they just randomly doing this on the side, they actually successfully secured a trademark for doing this. So they did this the proper way. This was a guitar that was not being put out or presented by a brand, Gibson Epiphone, or anyone else. And Satellite Amps went out, designed and made their own one, set out to make the best coronet possible. And they secured a trademark for the name Coronet because it had been abandoned. Uh, the trademark, I believe, was also abandoned back in the 90s. Um, and yeah, the trademark was abandoned then. I think I think the models, the last time new models were released was actually a little while before that. It was kind of a sporadically seen thing and really was just left back in the vintage day for, you know, by and large anyway. Um, but the trademark had definitively been abandoned back in the late 90s. And so Satellite Amps set out to make their own one. The name wasn't secured under trademark, so they secured it themselves under trademark back in 2016. This is why I think this story is interesting, and we'll come back to it. So what, what what's happened? Well, in July of this year, um, it became public. Satellite Amps made it public that uh, they were basically suddenly made aware that Gibson were trying to get rid of their trademark, essentially, and dispute it and all of this stuff. Um, it entered into a legal battle and Satellite Amp said they were going to stand up to this and said, you know, they're in the right. This isn't fair. They've secured the trademark fairly. The Coronet wasn't around. Gibson weren't doing anything with it at all. So they had the right to make it. And um, again, I can't comment on the rights or wrong of this. But uh, essentially today it was announced that Satellite Amps have given up the fight, not because they don't think they're right, not because they don't think that they were in the right and are still in the right, but simply because as a small company, the financial behemoth that is Gibson are just outmatching them too much in terms of the funds they have available to fight expensive legal battles. And the Satellite Amps is saying that it would be just completely laid to waste financially just to pursue this, even if they win, which they are certain they would win. Um they would they they they're unable to do it. They can't do it because of the financial rigor rigmarole that uh, a fight with a company the size of Gibson would put you through no no small company can actually withstand that um that is one of the most troubling things I think for Gibson as a brand is going after smaller companies who then make public saying yeah we have to bow out of this and it's not that any judge has ruled in favor of Gibson it's not that anything has come out to suggest that anything would be ruled in favor of Gibson but we have to stop because they're going to bankrupt us and that seems to be their plan this is not the first time a company has said this and um it does reflect very poorly on Gibson uh I do even see people saying that Gibson who who say Gibson have every right to pursue this because it was their model originally and so on and so forth that they then, when they seek statements like that from smaller companies, go, yeah, that I admit that doesn't reflect very well on Gibson, even if I agree that they they have the they're perfectly within their legal rights to protect what 
everyone knows is there so or whatever um lots of different opinions about this i cannot offer a legal opinion i cannot offer any opinion on the legal side of it like i say when i talk about it it's more about the side of it about how it affects us as a guitar culture and how we kind of see it and how people perceive it in terms of what's legally this that or the other absolutely clueless no idea who is in the right or anything like that but i can talk about how this affects us as people in the guitar world as i do so this is another gibson lawsuit thing i haven't talked about a bunch of other ones some other ones have also been about small companies so why have i brought up this one i think this is why i've brought this up in other cases it has been about people making guitars that gibson are making right now have been producing consistently for example gibson want to stop people building the flying v like i say definitely they have been unsuccessful in courts in certain ways in europe i believe it was said this is far these body shapes they're far too generic they're far too widespread you can't do this there's also been cases like like here where people have secured trademarks or whatever or have applied for trademarks or have made guitars before gibson ever got the trademark because on the flying v for example even though they made it way back when they didn't get a trademark or didn't apply for some kind of protection or whatever until like 30 years later and stuff like that and it gets very complicated what i will say essentially is that um in all of these cases if you are of the opinion and again i can't offer a proper legal opinion but if you're of the opinion which i have seen float around of the very very basic well gibson did it first so therefore they're in the right that really is not working out for them um and let's take this more general let's talk about fender let's talk about cases involving prs let's talk about cases involving very big guitar companies they lose a lot and they lose a lot counter to that logic fender very famously were not able to protect people not able to protect their shape and stop people from making things that look like strats and tellies they couldn't do it there's all this debate about the headstock and all this that and the other but in terms of the generic body shape they couldn't do it irrefutably it is accepted generally that that body shape the strap that body shape the telly was invented by Leo fender Fender did it first, it's Fender's. But you don't need to have that dispute when it comes to, it seems, copyright stuff and these body shapes. When they become genericized, it just doesn't work that you can go, we did it first, therefore, whatever else happens, regardless of any other context, it's ours and no one else should be able to do it and we can win any case about it. That is not what the history of these sorts of cases bear out. That is not what judges and courts have decided in these cases at all. Um, I do know someone who works in a very large corporation, actually a few different people work in a few different large corporations. Um, and whenever I'm blabbing on about guitar stuff, they talk about how the intellectual property of the corporations they work for um, has to be decisively, consistently, and constantly guarded and protected it has to be extremely clear who has permission to use certain things and who doesn't you have to be extremely rigorous about stamping down on even the smallest breaches of their copyright or people infringing on their intellectual property or using it without uh getting a pass to do so because there are all these elements of the law which again i don't understand but which basically kind of boil down to elements of you know just because you have something that is declared as you know um having a trademark or something or or having copyright or something or whatever um particularly trademarks can be a little bit looser in certain countries but basically if you have something you say this is ours 
if you then willingly let everyone else in the market go out and use it for a bunch of years in a bunch of instances and you can't within reason say that you didn't know about it it's very public this person's using your internet problem this person is and you don't do anything about it that can threaten some of your protections so for example if i own a character i invent a character they're in a tv show and i own that character and that character starts getting used people make a bunch of adverts and make a bunch of stuff and they start using my character not like a parody not like a this nothing under fair use they just outright are stealing my character it's very famous it's well known obviously i know about it i don't do anything about it for 20 years and then suddenly one person the person in the 21st year of everyone stealing my intellectual property goes and uses it it seems to become very difficult for me to make a case and say hey you cut that out that's my intellectual property whatever because um arguments seem to get put forward in these courts which are well can you really still claim that that's protected and that you have protected this as your intellectual property because it's you've allowed it to become so genericized, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't know the exact legal in and outs of what's happened with these companies finding it so difficult to protect their body shapes when other companies have used them. But basically, uh, if you make something and you get all the protections for it and then you protect that and stop other people from using it and challenge other people who try to use it and stuff, it seems to work out. If you let other people use stuff for years, doesn't seem to work out. So first of all, it's the first thing I throw out. I don't know the ins and outs of it. I don't know what's right and wrong. I can't comment on any case. But again, idiot with a podcast disclaimer. Comes up a lot in this podcast, actually. But <laughs> probably should come up more. Probably should start every episode with it. But just to say, if you're just someone who's of the opinion, um, I think whoever did it first, that's the end of it. If this company did it first, and we all know that, they should be able to stop anyone else from using blah, 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 blah. If that's your opinion, just in terms of what you feel is like ethical or right and wrong, of course, of course, that's that we're all entitled to the to those opinions. And there is an argument to be made there. I think we all feel a little bit of that to some extent. If whoever did it first, that's their invention. and People shouldn't just be able to use it. However, when it comes to the cases, when it comes to how this works in the real world, that seems to be completely not the case at all of how it works because of the complications of of the context being important because it's not as simple as that and because for example if you allow a bunch of other people to use something that's supposedly your property for years and years and years and decades even and you don't protect it and maybe you stop even using it yourself for a long period of time that seems to become a lot more complicated and and a lot of these cases these big companies lose even when we know they did invent that body shape or invent that that's not really what the case is about a lot of these things in guitar world have become genericized and it seems to be the way that these cases go is a lot of these things like general body shapes and general guitar concepts are far too genericized for a company to be able to really successfully go worse man and when a company goes up against another company that has the funds and the financial power and it's a bit bigger than someone like satellite amps and they can take this thing to court and see it through legally the bigger 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 companies don't do as well as some people would seem to predict so that's just to say on that it's just a kind of side note this is complicated i can't comment on it but just the idea of they did it first so it's theirs you know well gibson did the flying v first so everyone else shouldn't be allowed to make a v gibson did the coronet the Epiphone did the coronet and that's under Gibson, so no one else should be allowed to make it. Just as a side note, if that's, you know, an ethical opinion or you feel like that seems right, what's right and wrong, absolutely everyone's entitled to their opinion on that. In terms of how these things play out, it's not usually how it plays out. So seems to be seems to be just how it goes. Worth bearing in mind. The other thing is, I think that's interesting, get onto what's interesting specifically about this case. 
another thing that's interesting about it is with the Flying V and the XG and the Les Paul and the 335, Gibson's protecting that. That's something that was made by Gibson. In-house Gibson made that. Okay. With this, this is something that was made by Epiphone, as I understand it, before Gibson acquired them and then Gibson acquired them. So this is almost a little bit more comparable to those cases you see in some businesses where there's a business that creates something and they create it. And then that business maybe goes bankrupt or has some financial difficulties. And so they're not making that product anymore. So some other people in the market who are still going, they start making their version of that product. They start making that product because the original is not in the market. And then someone, a bigger company, maybe swoops in and buys up what remains of that first company that died. And then they own that original product. And then they go and start challenging these other companies who start making it say hey hey that's ours just in terms of the people who say you know ethically it's about whoever does it first that's theirs in this those kinds of situations though like the one i just outlined it's a bit more complicated isn't it because they didn't invent this they just acquired the people that did make it so it's not like the original inventor is going out there demanding that people stop copying them it's not really what's happening here is it it's a big 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 company that's then acquired a company which contains something which was at that point an original invention it's not quite this it's not quite fair i think to phrase this in a bunch of other cases as an inventor of something finding out that someone's copied them and trying to stop them it's not fair to view this as that it's not fair to i've seen a lot of these cases framed in that way not fair. It's not really what's happening. Is It's a lot more like the, like the case I just laid out. Someone has invented something, then they've stopped or gone bankrupt or not carried on or not continued making it. And then at some later point, a bigger corporation or some investors or whatever has acquired the company. And within all the stuff you scoop up when you acquire a company from this, that and the other, it's included the rights or some kind of protections to this invention. And then they've got annoyed at people decades later. Not really the same, is it? And in this case, it's even the case that the the trademark for the name Coronet had apparently been abandoned back in 1999. So that's another layer on top of this. It was allowed to disappear. And that's something that's worth bearing in mind because as these companies go into being litigious and these things and some companies, some managements are more litigious than others, it's worth bearing in mind this. Again, different to the Flying V cases and the other ones we've seen. That's Gibson going out and protecting something or trying to protect something which they say is theirs and other people disagree. But it's something that they make and are consistently making and is very much associated to the brand. All these big companies like Fender, Musical Instrument Corporation and, and Gibson, they have a lot of things which they leave to die. They put it up on a back shelf and it gathers dust. In this industry... There are all these different niches and all these different small companies who want to provide different things for players. It's slightly worrying to me that some of these big companies are going after smaller companies for things that have been left for dead. Now, the Epiphone Coronet has come back this year. It's just been announced. I don't think that seems like a coincidence that that's happening and the satellite amp stuff is. Maybe it is a coincidence. I haven't got any confirmation that that's why it is. But... If Epiphone had been consistently producing a coronet back in 2016 and all this time and they'd kept the trademark alive since the 90s and stuff, maybe no one should make a coronet. Maybe Satellite Amp shouldn't. But it's not the case, is it? It was left to die, trademark abandoned, not making any. You can't get them anywhere. 
it's just I don't know how that affects on the legal thing. Again, I can't comment on it at all, but it worries me as a sign because um, there are lots of arguments to say it's completely fair. Obviously, it's legal arguments or, or for all these positions. I'm not talking about legal arguments, but as an ethical position, as a moral position, like I say, there's lots of people who argue from all sides of this, including saying, look, if that company makes that thing, people shouldn't copy it. But isn't it slightly more worrying to see a company that doesn't make this thing, that's put it on a back shelf, that said, nah, fuck that, we're not going to make it, then suddenly go out and try and protect it when someone makes a similar product. You've abandoned that niche in the market. You've made that gap in the market. Then a small company goes in to try and fill it in a way that's not really competing with you because you're not making this. You even let your trademarks get abandoned. And then you come in and start taking them out. It worries me because all of these companies, like I say, these big companies have a lot of things on those back shelves. They have a lot of property and things, intellectual property ideas and things that they have acquired over time that they've liked this, abandoned, even maybe abandoned the protections like the trademarks sitting on their back shelf. Now, I don't know about legally, but let's say it is very difficult legally to protect something to go in and win a a case like this i have the protections for something i abandon them i leave this product on a back shelf i don't make it for decades someone else starts making it and then i go and try and take to court let's say it's extremely difficult for me to win in that situation irrelevant because again in this satellite amps case nobody won satellite amps had to abandon it because the financial juggernaut is too big for them that's what worries me. There are lots of smaller companies filling lots of niches and some companies that I know, some companies out there are doing things where they're recreating a vintage product, an old product, a product or an idea or their own spin on it, their own reinvention of something that has been left to die, that has been abandoned. But some of these things, many of these things have been abandoned in the back shelf of one of these big corporations. It got acquired at some point and then the brand got killed off. The idea got acquired at some point and killed off. There are shelves and shelves of these things sitting out there, left dead, gathering dust. And in the meantime, small companies like Satellite have come in and made their own versions or reinventions of these things to provide us musicians with these small things. It worries me that whether or not this position is legally defensible or whatever, 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 doesn't really matter because it's literally just who has the bigger wallet. And that worries me because there are a lot of examples of this that could theoretically happen. There are a lot of examples of things left on a back shelf to gather dust, not properly protected. But just because the company who owns the shelf that it's sitting on is big enough and bad enough and has enough going on in their wallet and uh, is litigious enough, they could come out and start swinging. Worries me. I don't know who's legally in the right. I don't know if the big company is well within their rights, of course, to make any of these challenges i have no idea if they would maybe they would just win all of these i don't know but the fact is what worries me is we might never ever need to find out and they might not ever need to find out because they have enough of a big wallet that really worries me because imagine you start a company and in your entire life product x has never been made but product x had at the core of it an amazing idea and you train for years and you become an uh, 
uh, skilled artisan, you become good at your craft, you become a skilled craftsperson. And then at some point along that journey as a musician and a craftsperson, you learn about this thing, Product X, that used to exist. You read about it in a book and then you find out about it and you ask questions and you dig into it. You get your hands on an old one, a vintage one. You spend a good amount of money on it. You take it to take it apart, put it back together again. You learn this thing inside out. You could write a book on this yourself. You read everything there is to know about it and you find out this thing's been abandoned for your entire life. Since before you were even born, this thing had already been just abandoned. You look into it. There don't really seem to be any protections that stop you from making it as it seems right now anyway. So you go out and you make your own version of this thing. You tweak it, you make it better, you bring your own ideas and improvements and all this other great stuff into it. And you spend years developing it and putting it out. You get to make it for half a decade and then a company suddenly comes out and says, oh, hang on a second, that's actually ours. And no matter how wrong you think they are, their pockets are so deep that you'll never be able to prove them wrong because the legal process will just bankrupt you. That's why this worries me. That's why I'm talking about it. Because the big companies going against each other about these generic elements, it's interesting. You know, can you stop people from building flying bees? I don't know. That's interesting to follow. Obviously, it still affects small businesses. Obviously, there are still worrying elements about it. But this really worried me. Um, and I think we'll worry a lot more people than those other ones, which saw people having ethical kind of opinions from all sides. Well, Gibson didn't invent the V, so even if they didn't technically protect it properly at some point, they still have the right to do this, and I think they should win, blah, blah, blah. No, no, the small companies, what about the people who've worked hard to do this? What if you've been building a flying V for 30 years and suddenly you're told you're not allowed to? All sorts of elements. And this has arguments from all sides too, but this really worries me because of what this could set, not as a legal precedent, I don't mean to use the word in that way, but as a precedent of behavior, of just what could potentially happen. And I find that worrying um, because a lot of the innovation, cool ideas and niches filled by people who start businesses, hone a craft, develop something amazing and employ people in our local areas to make these things, some of those could be threatened by something like this. And that worries me. So um, I just want to read to you a couple of things from Satellite Amps and a couple of things from Gibson in the name of fairness. And everyone can form their own opinions about this. I'm not I'm not going to just layer my opinion on you. Um, but I'm worried about what this says. And I don't say anything negative about anyone, about any company, about Gibson, about Satellite, to say that I'm worried. All I'm saying is that there are a lot of companies out there developing things which have been left for dead. And I think it's worrying that that could suddenly be made to stop. And if someone builds a livelihood on that, that could be worrying. So I'm going to read a few things from Salamps, a few things from Gibson, wrap this up, let you all make your own opinions. So first, I'm just going to read um, this, a couple of bits of statements from um, from Satellite Amps and from the owner, Adam Grimm to give you an idea of their perspective. So if you are to visit the Satellite Amps page and try to check out a Satellite Coronet guitar, it says out of production and this notice is on there. As of November 30th, 2020, I have been forced into giving up the Satellite Coronet trademark and ceasing production of the guitar called a Coronet. 
When I first decided to pursue this endeavor, the coronet was a guitar long forgotten. I found a few people who I could contract out to help me recreate a vintage design. Satellite coronets were the best coronet anyone had ever made. Back in 2016, I secured the trademark for the name coronet since it had been abandoned back in 1999. In June of this year, 2020, I received notification that Gibson Brands was trying to cancel my trademark. There was no discussion from them. Myself and my attorney did try to reach out to discuss the matter and to come to an amicable settlement that would have been beneficial to both of us. That was not well received. I knew I was in the right and decided I wasn't going to be bullied. We responded to the suit and agreed to fight it out in the trademark court. Instead of providing proof, I was offered a settlement, that's in quotation marks that point, that basically comes down to give up the trademark or we will sue you in a different court that will bankrupt you and your company. I have known all along that this eventually may happen. As much as I love what we recreated and how passionately I feel about this, the financial side of fighting a massive corporation is a losing proposition for a small business like myself. This isn't about being correct. This is purely about wasting money. Thank you for your support over the past five years of doing this. We will be coming out with a new model soon. We are unable to take any new orders for coronets as part of this is that we have to immediately cease production of new coronet guitars. Um, they also He also mentioned in a post to Instagram, I have been fighting this fight until it became purely about money, which is what it has become. I cannot compete in that fight against a major corporation when it is pitting finances against each other. So that was from Satellite Amps. Um, and their owner, um, Adam Grimm. So that's what they've stated on this um, as well. So anyway, there you go. Um, They obviously registered their trademark back a few years ago, 2016, 2018, whenever it was, um, and that's their statement on the story so far. Um, And then they had announced in July of this year that... Gibson were attempting to invalidate their federal trademark for the coronet. Uh, It was after that that Gibson had issued a statement that said, as a result of creating, launching, investing, and owning the trademark for the Epiphone coronet, Gibson simply filed to confirm their trademark ownership on a first-use basis. So that was Gibson's perspective. As we have that, it's it's our use first, so on a first-use basis, they uh, filed to confirm trademark ownership uh, and they also added gibson must protect itself from this and other similar opportunistic tactics despite the potential distractions being created so as i said epiphone you cannot just simply say that they're protecting something that they never used because the epiphone coronet did then come out this year it's called the coronet it's the exact same design they are using it um, to describe it as opportunistic tactics. You do have to see that that from Gibson's perspective, this is maybe you, when you have a big corporation and you have lots of things under it, things go in and out of production. Things go in and out of being used. You flow with the trends and the fashions of the market. That might mean that you don't build a guitar for a while. Should that mean that that's suddenly not your guitar? That's a difficult position to defend, right? And just because it's been slightly longer that I haven't built this guitar and slightly shorter amount of time that I haven't built this guitar. Could we really say that one's 
definitely protected in still mine and one isn't surely everyone's going to draw their lines in the sand subjectively there you know one person's going to say well if you don't build a guitar for 50 years and someone else can build it and someone else is going to say oh if you don't build a guitar for five years someone else can build it and they're going to argue um again how this is decided in the courts is something that i don't understand um whilst the you know remarks are understandably from a smaller company like a smaller business like satellite um amps it, it's it's a much more personal statement and it feels very from the heart and the gibson one feels very you know legalese and 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 kind of you know remind you of horrible fluorescent lighting and asbestos ridden ceilings and horrible gray gray office buildings um that really it's a good job i think just to boil it down to the substance of what they're both saying and that there are points that are completely valid to me from both here um i think if you try to put yourself in the shoes of both of them i kind of painted a picture of putting yourselves in the shoes of a similar situation to satellite amps earlier in this podcast and i think if i think you can feel for them um, I think if you look at it from Gibson, while they might be this big behemoth company and we tend to find our sympathies lying less with that sort of thing when they speak in this kind of legalese and it all feels very beige and grey and boring and legal documents. If you actually, like I say, boil it down to the substance and you put yourself in their shoes and you don't think of them necessarily as a big behemoth, but you just think of them as, you know, another company and they're in this situation, you can completely understand it and you can completely understand that um they would they would feel and argue that this is their right to make this and nobody else's and that that argument is somewhat strengthened by the fact that an epiphone coroner came out this year and i don't know how quickly epiphone you know can whip up something or, or gibson in general but my understanding would be that this the coronet the the kind of uh re-bringing out of the coronet the reintroducing of that has been something that's been on the cards for a while and discussed for a while and they've been wanting to do it so you know gibson in their eyes their coronet has been alive and, and and coming for a while and something that you know is in their arsenal and is all there all the time something they can potentially bring back out just because we haven't seen it from the consumer side for a long time doesn't mean it's it's something that is necessarily in a corner gathering dust you know it can be alive in the company as as one of the cards they feel they have in their hand to bring back into the market when they feel the time is right. And just because they want to wait for the best time does not mean that necessarily someone should be allowed to bring it out. That would be their their perspective. So like I say, I can't really give anything useful on this. I just think I wanted to highlight this one specifically amongst all the noise of lawsuits and this, that, and the other. You maybe find it boring. You maybe find it interesting. You maybe find it interesting but don't really want to hear it blabbed on about for longer but the reason I highlighted this amongst the noise of legal stuff is because it does have a lot of unique elements to it. And I think there's something here that could be worrying, something here that's absolutely fair enough. And although I can't comment on the conduct of either of the companies at all, the idea that, you know, the the we're going to be sitting here talking about litigation and this, that and the other and, and um, potentially things becoming argued over that haven't been on the market for years and years and years and then, and then some passionate person decides to to put the version out there seemingly it seems to be fair enough and perfectly legally fair and then it turns out it isn't just as a worrying thing and not necessarily what i want to see happening all the time in the guitar well i don't really want to be looking at the news and seeing this all the time to be honest with you for a whole bunch of reasons um what's the conclusion of that i don't fucking know i have no idea but um 
I thought it was worrying, so I thought I'd share my worry with you. I feel better. You probably feel way fucking worse. So there you go. This is my therapy. Thanks very much. <laughs> I apologize if that made you feel worse. But you know what will make you feel better is some good music. And I have a suggestion of some good music, as always, because it's all about the music. Fuck all this of legalese and bullshit. Fuck all that. It's important to talk about, I know, but people's livelihoods and businesses and ideas and passions here it's important i'm just kidding but let's cheer ourselves up with some awesome music because that's what we love that's what we're passionate about and that's what we can come together over whatever our differing opinions and, and, and so forth so anyway music i want to suggest today sometimes i like to give you a massive old introduction but you know what i'm not gonna i'm gonna give you this track i'm gonna give you this band and i'm gonna let you go and check it out without a whole bunch of pretext from me and whatever else i'll bunch of preface from me uh it's good to just go in blind sometimes and enjoy it i'm telling you to go check out the track former islands from the band monobody so the band is monobody the track is former islands you can find this wherever you get your music i believe spotify youtube and uh, if you go check out youtube um there is a call just went up a couple days ago cool new session live session version of the song the band performing it's awesome i think i think monobody haven't been performing for a couple of years maybe the drummer is uh namdi who i mentioned uh and promoted some of his music in an earlier episode and i mentioned he was in a whole bunch of musical projects across different genres he's the drummer in monobody um so he's been off doing a bunch of projects i don't know if that's why they haven't been performing but great live session of this track great track in general just to go check out wherever you check it out um so go and check out former islands from the band monobody go check out good music go play a bunch of guitar go be creative go enjoy yourselves look after yourselves look after one another and as always i will catch you tomorrow